Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Tim. It, it's a beautiful day, and I know that we are covering part two of a two-part podcast. Can you kind of remind us what we covered in part one? Uh, you know, one of the advanced planning topics we focus on is we call it wealth enhancement, and it includes a lot of things, but as it relates specifically to a business owner, today, in the previous podcast, we covered a wealth enhancement topic that increases the value of your business, and that one of the key value drivers for increasing the value, get making sure you get the maximum price when you sell is having the right management team. So I, I, I don't want to get too into the details of why you need the right management team. We, I think we covered that pretty thoroughly in the previous podcast. So as a listener, you, may, you might want to listen to that one first. Today, I wanted to cover, okay, now you've decided, yeah, this is important. So what do you do? You know, what are some of the processes and tools that we can help you with um, to make sure that that happens. So that's what I thought I covered today. Yeah, this is the meat of the issue. What steps to take? I'm excited to hear what you've got. So bring it. What are we talking about first? So the first thing I want to cover is, you know, there is this seven-step process uh, for exit planning, and we we subscribe to and we you know get a lot of resources and thought leadership from a organization called the Business Exit Institute or BEI. Um, they originally gave us this outline, but we use it a lot, and it's. So when you're looking at, you know, how do I exit or where do I start? You know, there's a, we call it a seven-step process. And we talked about number one, you go through the discovery meeting and identify the owner's objectives, you know, as, a, as an owner, as a seller, what are you trying to accomplish? And then number two, go through the business and the personal resources, you know, what's available. You know, so we talked about what you want, but what's actually there to get you um, what you need. And then we get into, you know, the third part, which is, maximizing and protecting the business value. And this is that this is one of the areas where the management team pops up. You know, number four is ownership transfers possibly to a third party, or we also explore the fifth step, which is do we transfer it to insiders? But the sixth step also covers management team, which is business continuity. And then the seventh step is finalizing kind of a personal wealth and estate plan for the owner. So the the management team is very a critical part of maximizing and protecting your value for your business, especially, um, you know, as you're exiting. And then also for business continuity. I, I just recently completed a, a video which talked about what I call like my value promise or my why story. And, you know, one of the things I talked about in there was having the opportunity for unfortunately a very short period of time to really have a mentor in my father-in-law. So when I, when I first met Nancy and we got married and you know, I was able to work with Frank Nealon, my father-in-law, for a couple years, and then he passed suddenly when he was 63. Unfortunately, he didn't have his estate plan and his business continuity plan completely in place at the time. And so that that's actually one of the drivers behind my why or behind my value promise to clients is having gone through that in the early 80s, it's really given me a lot of respect and focus for the need 
to do some of these, you know, value uh, planning in advance. Uh, and the key thing as it affected his business was, you know, he didn't have the right management team. Not to get too into the deep of that, but that's really why I think it's so important because I've lived it and experienced it, and it's just so much better when you address it up front. All right. So that's the seven-step process, and, and that's why I think it's important. So what should we do? So let me focus firstly, <laughs> let me focus initially on, you know, the steps that you should take as a business owner to make sure that you have the proper management team in place. And the first is succession plan needs to be a key discipline. Uh, we've talked a lot about, and I've, my experience has been that entrepreneurs spend most of their time and energy. The, the 60, 80 hours a week that they put into the business, they focus on working with their clients, delivering on time, working with their team, their employees, making sure the business is operating, thinking of the future. But very often they don't step back, or I should say they don't step back very often to look at you know succession planning and exit planning. And that's what I mean by making this a key discipline. It has to be proactive and has to be ongoing. You know, One of the things we talk about with our clients is you need to schedule time, whether it's meeting with our team, whether it's meeting with your CPA attorney, we were big fans of CEO groups like the YPO, Young Professional Organizations, and others. Um, Vistage is also a good one. But you need to really proactively and an ongoing basis have the discipline to talk about it, think about it, and plan for it. And I know that seems like maybe an assumption that people would make, but I, from what I've seen is very few people do it. I talked to a company who was a a husband and wife who were in their 60s, they formed the business. It was in the commercial construction industry. And I also, at the same time, met with, they have three kids in the business. One operates as kind of the chief financial officer. One operates as head of sales. And the other is out there in the field as a supervisor. And, you know, I got a completely different perspective from talking to the parents than when I talked to the kids. Mm -hmm. The kids are all in their 40s. And the, the theme that I got from them is there's just not enough of a proactive discussion about what, is, what are the plans. Um, we are the management team. You know, we are the key for succession long term, but, but we don't meet and talk about it enough. We're, we're typically putting out fires and, you know, taking care of clients and customers. So the point is it needs to be proactive and ongoing, you know, to really be effective. And the other thing that I would say as part of that is, it needs to be part of the performance review in your ongoing assessment. In our office, for example, as part of our team, we do formal reviews each year, but we also do we do a mid-year and end-of-year, and then we do formal business planning where we look into, right now we're looking into 2021, and we're saying, what are the key things that we can help you with you know, as part of the team, as part of our team members, our key management succession long-term, what kind of skill sets do you need? What kind of education might you need? You know, we went through 2020. Uh, a lot of things happened that we didn't plan for, you know, with COVID, et cetera. But going forward into 2021, you know, some of these goals, the education, the training that they need has changed. So it has to be a formal part of the performance review and the assessment process. I've said many times, Eric, and you've heard me that I don't feel like we're smart enough to know everything especially as it relates to our clients, but also to our own business. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in hiring consultants. Mm -hmm. uh, and typically, they're going to be very specific to your particular industry. In 2018, when we were doing formal business planning, for example, we hired a company called DeVoe out of California. 
They helped us with a lot of the long-term succession governance because they were experts in our field, in our business. We also hired a consultant, Kelly Cruz, because she had a tremendous amount of experience in our industry working with you know, career path organization charts, compensation levels, things like that, and how to incorporate all these planning items into our review and assessment process. So, you know, we did it. It was not easy. It was very hard. It's, it's a lot of work over and above the day-to-day operating and growing of the business. But I think if you're not doing it proactive and ongoing, if you're not integrating it into part of the review and assessment process for your management team, you know, you're, you're not going to train them and they're not going to be prepared to take over if something happens or eventually when you're ready to exit. Do you, do you think, Tim, that because a lot of these businesses are family-owned, and it, there's family members involved or there's long-term relationships involved, whether it's blood family or not, that people think, well, we talk enough, <laughs> you know, during work hours, we, we speak enough during, uh, you know, our off hours when we're having dinner together where there's family events and they talk about business here and there a little bit. Do you think that that is maybe one of the hesitations on having a formalized meeting, having a formalized process? Because we talk all the time kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's it's that. And it's also, you know, I'm not saying anything unusual or earth-shaking when I say that there's years and years of history between mm-hmm. parents and children, right? So, yeah, they're, they're and, and each child is different. They have different personalities, different skill sets. I find when I'm working with business owners, like in the construction company I mentioned previously, it's even harder. Um, and you have to even be more proactive in I think anyway, you also need, you, there's a greater need for outside consultants mm-hmm. because there's just emotional baggage. There's, you know, 40 years of history between these kids and the parents and, you know, some good, some bad, mostly great, but um, it makes it harder to really bring these issues out. Like they were, I, I was somewhat a stranger and they were more willing to talk to me about some of their concerns and things that need to happen to where the parents were actually surprised that that was the feedback that I was getting from the kids. So it's it's just super, super emotional, I think, and it's just harder when it's a family-owned business. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I'll, I'll say this. I'm not speaking for every parent out there. Well, I'm not even speaking for Tim, but when the kids are younger, people joke around, well, who's your favorite? Oh, I love them both equally. They're, they're, neither one of them is my favorite. But as my children have become adults, pretty much got a favorite. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. There's and here's the thing is that with with businesses, you have may, may have one child that you don't agree with maybe some of their lifestyle choices, you don't agree with some of the decision that they've made personally, but they're amazing at running the business. However, separating the relationship or the emotion because of other things that are in their life, it can kind of dribble into the business stuff too. And so boy, it's it's it can be difficult and getting that outside perspective like you are, right? And and even you have pointed to other people that are that are professionals in specific arenas, getting that other person, the outside person to take a look and give honest and true feedback and have that listening ear because they don't want to talk to parents or the parents don't want to say certain things to the kids. Man, that's it's absolutely invaluable. You can just talk to the people on my team. I am far from perfect. I just had a <laughs> planning meeting with one of my key, you know, future advisors, next gen advisors, and the the feedback was I I need to be better at transparency and communication. And I'm sure I said I'm sure my wife could tell you the same thing. And I'm trying, you know, but it's hard. I mean, it, it's it's emotional, so it's it's just not easy. It's not my normal accounting gig, and it's yeah. not the normal 
hierarchy that I typically see in family-owned businesses, where the, the the founder, the patriarch, the, the you know they're they're typically making the decisions and, and making them top down, and it really needs to be you know, to some extent get feedback from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, like one tool that I've used, and I found this years ago, probably five or six years ago, there was a book written by the founder of LinkedIn. And I can't recall his name right now, but he talked about something called tours of duty. Mm -hmm. And the theory behind a tour of duty is that to a great extent, you know, my parents, they they might have, you know, come back. My my father-in-law, for example, came back from World War II and worked with the company. And he was with that company forever. Not as much, you know, in my generation. So, but even more in this generation, I think there's not an expectation that, someone's going to come out of college and work for a company for, you know, 30 years. And mm-hmm. what, what this book talked about and what he did through LinkedIn was create these tours of duty where he said, look, let's make kind of an informal contract so that in the next 18 months, this is what, you know, you tell me what you want me to do to improve your skill set, to improve your, your brand, you know, help you with your career path. And then in return, Here's the things that I would like to make sure that you're doing for my clients, for the team, for the firm. And then what happens, I find, is that as you get 12 months into it and then you get into the last six months, you kind of create another tour of duty kind of contract or agreement, or you do it annually when you come up with the business planning process. But I think what happens is it's a much more collaborative process where it's much more bottom-up and you truly are getting feedback and you're getting a better feel for what does your management team really want? Or, you know, or do they have the skill sets? If they don't, how do I get them? Because one of the big failures I see is you might have an incredibly good person on your management team, but you're really not nurturing, mentoring, training, and educating them to get ready to be a, a successor because mm-hmm. the skill sets to be an owner and a successor oftentimes are very different from what it takes you know, to, be, to manage a company. So what, one of the things that we'll do next is, you know, when we get into the whole process is, you know, what steps do we take? I think the more open and transparent it can be, the better. And I'll say, I, I learn that daily as much as I try. I, you know, I just think I, I could always use improvement, and that's what I see with my clients. But the key thing, I think, first of all, and getting back to that seven-step process, and this is important for the management team, is we need to make sure that people know what the owner's objectives are. If if I'm nurturing my next-gen team, if I'm nurturing people to internally anyway take over, if I have those people, I need to be as, as clear as possible about you know, my target date. You know, I'm 58 personally, so at what point do I want to exit? And if I do exit, what is it going to look like? Do I plan on selling internally? You know, would I, would I like to uh, exit or sell externally? You know, I, I like to talk to clients about something called work optional. I want to build their, a plan for clients so that they can, you know, entrepreneurs generally, most of the ones I know will want to work till they're 70 or 80. They just want to keep working, but they want the option to step back. They want the option to do something less stressful. Maybe, you know, I talked to a, a, a client who's a partner in a major consulting firm, and he's in his 40s, and he just said, Look, I want to target a point where maybe I could step back and teach. You know, I could go back to my university or even go to a high school and give back and teach. And, you know, so not quit working, but at the same time not do this, you know, what I'm doing now or where it's so stressful. So 
it's really important that we work with the owner first and foremost to help them identify what their objectives are and then help them be transparent about it before we even get into talking to the client, the, the management team, or identifying, you know, if they have the proper management team. <sighs> I, I just think for every owner out there that it would be so incredibly peaceful. I don't know if peaceful is the right word, but wouldn't it be nice to know that you could leave at any time? And I, and I'm, I'm not saying just like walk in one day and say, I quit, I'm out. <laughs> but I'm saying, <laughs> exactly. I'm saying if you got those pieces in place and your entire management team knew what they were to do, knew what the future of the company looked like, had that clear vision, had those objective objectives uh, clearly defined as a business owner. If, if I was 55 years old and I had that in place, I had a good management team in place, knowing that I may not exit my business for 10 years and, and everybody else knows that too, but knowing that maybe I could exit at 63 or 61, if I chose to, maybe a life event happens and I want to spend more time with, you know, grandkids or whatever. But if I knew that I had that option and that my company was running well, everybody had that same vision and the steps were in place for a sale or, you know, some sort of acquisition or succession plan. Man, what a what a nice decade that would be, right? From fifty five oh, yeah. to sixty five, uh, and I think too many business owners wait too long to do this. Yeah, and and, and part of it, you know, that leads to the the second step, which is okay. We've identified what the owner wants, but we also need to understand and talk about, you know, where your industry is going, and that's it's mm-hmm. so much. COVID has really made that even more important. So if you think about the direction of the hotel industry, or you know, the office space industry. So I talked to an architect and, you know, they, they were building open offices where, you know, the cubicles and everyone's open. And now with COVID, everyone's got to get closed offices and conference rooms. And, <laughs> yeah. and so he's the architect, this architect in particular who works in the healthcare industry, he's overwhelmed and swamped. Whereas I talked to a client or who owns a bunch of hotels, uh, several hotels, and he's not. So part of it is having a realistic discussion with the owner, but then also with the, with the management team because there has to be alignment of, you know, where do you want the business to go? When I talk to some of my younger advisors, they're much more focused on technology and delivering in a technological way. I'm, very, I'm still very old school where I prefer to meet with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a middle ground there, but we're not technically aligned. And so... I know what I need to retire, for example. I know where I think the business is going, but if I'm not communicating, talking to this next-gen management team and getting their input, they're not necessarily going to buy into it, and they may exit or leave and find another place that fits them better. Yeah. So th- this is just part of the, the first two steps. Again, it's just making sure you know what the business owner wants, making sure you know what, kind of where the industry is going, and then making sure that that information is communicated and in alignment with these, you know, the management team that you have. Yeah. So the, the third part I'll cover is, you know, okay, we know what the business owner wants. We all have a alignment with where the industry is going, we think, subject to things like COVID. The third and final piece is really, we then need to really spend a lot of time and energy on evaluating the, the talent we have, right? So if I'm in a rapid growth industry, if I'm in a turnaround industry, if I'm looking where I need to merge right now, mm-hmm. I have a number of clients looking to acquire, you know, competitors that maybe haven't survived COVID as well. Yeah. You know, we evaluate the skill sets of the people on the team. And then separately, we evaluate 
okay, what's missing? What do we need? If we have the right people, are they in the right chairs? Mm-hmm. You know, so if I have one example where there's a great controller for a company, and controllers are a necessity and they're awesome. I'm a, I'm a recovering CPA myself. But in this case, we determined that we really need a chief financial officer. Controller is more of a historian oftentimes, not always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A chief financial officer, for example, is typically much more of a forecaster. They're not just taking budgets, you know, what are we going to do next year, but they're modeling out. What if we acquire somebody? What if we do this or that? So that's just an example of a situation where we have the right person, but possibly not in the right chair. And that's the second step, which is evaluating the skill sets and the people you have, evaluating the skill sets and the people you need, and then finally determining do I in-house it or do I outsource it? And do I partner with someone to get it? Now, there's, there's so many processes to do that. It's just too, too much to kind of cover on a podcast. But mm-hmm. what I'd recommend people do is if you're interested in some of the processes that, that you need to go through, we have a whole series of checklists. We have a whole, we can really help. We have uh, white papers on the topic. And, and I gave examples of like some of the companies we hired in, in a trucking company example in that industry, you know, we're helping the client look at industry-related consultants because their consultants that know their particular industry are going to be better than someone in accounting or finance. So the point is, this third step is really making sure you have the right people in the right chairs, and you may decide you don't have the right people and you don't have the time or energy to do it, in which case maybe you don't do an internal management succession. You look mm-hmm. outside, and mm-hmm. there's we have a number of other podcasts that cover that. So I just wanted to really talk about part two of, okay, you, you recognize that the management team is important. What are some of the steps you take? And we could certainly, and we would love to dive in deeper with anyone who's interested in talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. There's signs of where succession planning may be needed. You know, I'm a control freak, uh, but maybe you look at the owner's a control freak or there's signs of burnout. I've had situations, you know, this year with COVID where the client has said, I could keep doing this, but I just don't have the energy to do it for the next five years. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, sometimes I've, I find, too, the owner's first business. Or family-owned businesses in particular definitely need sig- significant involvement. So, you know, contact me, and we've got a whole series of questions that you can ask yourself. You can ask your management team. We can facilitate that. Um, but we'd love to help any listener who has any you know, interest in talking about this key value driver, which is, you know, making sure you have the right management team. Yeah, absolutely. For those that are listening, don't be confused. Tim spoke about seven steps for a comprehensive exit plan, and he barely scratched the surface. You know, we we really spoke about the first three steps, uh, which not necessarily leaves a lot to the imagination, but uh, leaves a lot for a follow-up phone call. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, I agree. Anyone who wants to get additional information, access some of our white papers, checklists. We have videos and podcasts on the topic. You could always call me at 219-246-5370 or send me an email at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com. Perfect. Tim, thank you so much for your time. Great content. Uh, reminder, go back and listen to part one, then listen, you know, re-listen to this or listen to this for the first time and then make the phone call because there's a whole lot more information that Tim has and that Tim does and works with each one of his clients And if you know Tim at all, everything is individualized. He's very, very personable. Everything's going to be individualized for your specific circumstance. So I encourage you, make the phone call. Tim, thank you for being open to all those phone calls. 
Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, Eric. You bet. And of course, thank you for listening and tuning in to the Wall Street Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends, family, and think about the people in your business that you should be sharing these two podcasts with specifically. Somebody that, you know, maybe a co-owner or, or somebody within your management team that you're like, you know what, I want to take these steps and I want to do this as a team approach. This is a great one to share with them. Then you guys can have a great conversation about it and make the phone call. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Stream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 